Hey, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Rachel Wilson. She is a mom, she's an author, she has recently written this Substack article that I'm super excited to dive into today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah. So I want to choose, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, first let me uh, ask you kind of how did you get into this whole topic? You, you recently wrote a book on the occult origins of feminism and yeah. So. Yeah, and um, in the book, the it's kind of a chronology of like the history of feminism and where the roots of the ideology come from all the way back from like ancient goddess worship to now and the last um century or so the the parts of the book that are about that um do venture into some territory where i had to start talking about like cia culture creation and terence mckenna and um like Gloria Steinem and a lot of the the 60s and 70s culture creation stuff and had to get into like who was behind pushing a lot of feminist ideology which was the CIA and um I've I've also been just generally kind of I guess you'd say in the realm of like um the conspiracy theory stuff for a while <laughs> as well right. but I mean as you know a lot of things that people like to call conspiracies are I mean, you can go right to CIA.gov right now and read all about MK Ultra. So it's not exactly conspiracy anymore. It's just history. So yes. um, that's kind of how I got into it. And um, when I was doing the research for my book, I just, it always keeps circling back around and coming back to the MK Ultra programs in a lot of ways. So um, what we're about to talk about is pretty dark stuff. And I kind of stumbled upon it by accident, but it had all this crossover with things I had already researched for my book. So I just, I was like, couldn't resist going, well, what's going on here and digging into it. And what I found was pretty crazy stuff. So for sure, for sure. So I don't know if you know, um, I've mentioned it like briefly on a podcast before, but I, the CIA is very fascinating to me because as a little kid, they tried to recruit me so when I was seven years old. Wow. Yeah, they tried to recruit me. And the story that I heard my whole life was that, you know, I wasn't eligible because of my disabilities and that they actually didn't know that. And so I, I always used to make this joke. I mean, it really was just like a <laughs> flippant joke, like, oh, my, you know, disabilities like spared my soul, you know, <laughs> and uh, it was just kind of like that thing, like I would throw out, you know. Um, but I had mentioned it on a podcast and someone had asked and I was with my mom and they, it was a friend of my mom. She had actually asked, asked, like, I want to hear the whole story. So it was the first time I had heard my mom actually tell the story because the, the story I always heard was, you know, I wasn't eligible because I'm visually impaired. I'm hearing impaired. Um, but apparently that's not really the truth. Uh, that that was what she kept telling them <laughs> and they, they wow. apparently were really really persistent but ultimately she you know pr pretty much like hung up on them and uh, said no so I I'm always wonder I'm always curious now that I've you know 
like dug into a lot of these, as you said, it's not, you know, conspiracy theory. You can go and read declassified documents. We know MKUltra is a real thing. So yeah. I'm always, you know, I'll, I'll never know, but I, I'm always like, hmm, I wonder what, what wow. program, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, recruiting kids, huh? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And they do. I mean, and I, it, I, sorry, yeah. go on. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's not very surprising given what we do know about what they were up to. But it's like, it probably makes you wonder like, oh, what did they have planned for me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, hmm, I wonder. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's interesting in your article, you say how uh, they, you know, claim that MKUltra is no longer, but, you know, a lot of evidence would indicate that it does exist. They've just possibly renamed it or, you know, it doesn't have a name t- to date, maybe. Uh, but yes. the the tactics and the... Uh, strategies still seem to be very much at play so oh, yeah i mean mk ultra if you guys don't know much about it it was such mm-hmm. a wide ranging broad sweeping program it lasted you know almost 30 years if you if you believe that they did end it when they say they did um i don't i think that there's there is a lot of evidence that they just uh rerouted the funding through some ngos and uh, kind of named it something else Um, And they destroyed about half of the documentation they have on the the whole of the project. But what we do have is bad enough that it makes you wonder what they destroyed. Um, And it was in not just the United States, but countries all over the world. Um, It was, you know, there were parts of it. it, It's like a tentacle monster that has its little tentacles everywhere. So anything from like 1948 to like 1972 ish all around the world. There seems to be a little, a little bit of MK Ultra in all different theaters around the world. So, the the CIA and social engineers love to use things like wartime, pandemics, um, you know, anything, anything like that. They like to use those opportunities. You know, financial collapse, disasters. They like to use those opportunities to test things, <laughs> to, to kind of. Um, test out some of their psychological warfare research. Um, So they'll use it in war theaters and things like that. And then of course, whatever they find is always applied later to the general public. So this seems to be one of those instances. Yeah, uh, it does seem that way. So this, you titled it MKUltra, Transgenderism, Feminization of Men. And we, I, I think it's pretty evident, we've seen for a pretty long time, uh, this trend to uh, emasculate men um, and to feminize them. And I, I, I think through many, you know, we, we can definitely see some of the, as you say, like the social engineering and the cultural ramifications of it. But we now know that there's a lot of other mechanisms that they've used that are chemical and biological. And uh, uh, you talk about some of the hypnotic kind of uh implementations yeah yeah so that's kind of how I stumbled upon this aspect of it was I I can't even remember it was one of those things where you're online late at night and it's like a rabbit hole thing where you start reading about one thing and then you click on something else and you just go like down this weird rabbit hole at like 2 a.m and you're like what why am I not sleeping (laughs) but I I was in one of these weird rabbit holes where I found um a reddit thread that was talking about these kinds of programs where it starts out with pornography. So I'll try my best to um, not be any more like, um, you know, 
graphic than I have to, although yeah. guys, just to warn you, this is some graphic natured stuff here that we're going to talk about. Yeah. But they were saying this usually starts with like a pornography thing where um, people get into pornography, they have somewhat of an addiction to it, maybe or a reliance on it. And they, it tends to work like food with reward systems in the brain where you need weirder and kinkier stuff, you know, the more that you view it for it to have the same effect. And so people will wander into the transgender porn stuff. And in that subset of pornography, there is another subset called sissy hypno. And the people on this thread were discussing how they had got into these programs through this pornography that are meant to like feminize you, um, turn you into like a, not only just a submissive, but like a, a actually turn men into women. Um, and even some programs that try to dumb you down and bimbofy you. And they were talking about their experiences with this and the disastrous effect that it had had on their lives and um, that they were having a really hard time getting out of these programs, recovering from them, um, it was impacting their job and their life. And I was like, whoa, what, you know, like, what is this stuff? And it was not a small thread, guys. It was like tens of thousands of people on this subreddit talking about this stuff that had membership in this. So it was like a sissy hypno recovery um, Reddit thread. And I thought, you know, I mean, of course it's Reddit. There's going to be people who exaggerate or make stuff up or whatever, but not usually to the tune of tens of thousands of people experimenting with the same thing. So I started researching this because I just couldn't really help myself, <laughs> even though I was like, oh, what am I getting into here? But it was just like, what's, I wanted to know what was going on because these sure. people seemed genuinely alarmed and very affected by it. So yeah, um, started doing a little research and I found, um, that another author who I'm, I'm somebody who is kind of known for not being a feminist, being pretty against feminism. Uh, <laughs> but to my surprise, I found that a popular feminist author, Genevieve Gluck, had written about these programs and how devastating they were to people. She did like a little expose on it a few years ago um, and had people writing her saying, this is ruined my life. Um, I've never been the same since I started using these programs. I need help. And so she was talking about it. So I was like, okay, this is really a thing. Um, so I started, I had to go to these websites and take a look at some of these programs. I didn't sit there and like listen to the whole thing or anything like that, but I browsed around enough and listened to tidbits and bits and pieces um, enough that I noticed these programs. So what the program is, is you go to this website and it promises to give you a hypnosis program that will help you either transition, like if you're somebody who is transgender and you're interested in transitioning from male to female, that this program will help you do that. Um, maybe if it's just a kink for you, it will enhance the kink for you. Um, if you're somebody who wants to, for whatever reason, become like a low IQ sex puppet kind of person, it will do that for you as well. And I just thought, you know, like what on earth is this? Um, and these programs were very high quality. Like they were very well produced, professionally produced. And, and I'm looking at it going, okay, I know this is not something somebody just like did in their basement. This is very, it's a very popular thing. They have a Patreon with a lot of membership, a lot of money pouring into it. Um, and this person, you can't find who they are behind these programs. You can't find out who's producing them, 
who owns the website. It's all very private, very buttoned up. And I'm usually pretty good at tracking that sort of stuff down. Uh, so it, I tried for weeks to find like who owns the website domain, who, um, are there anybody, anyone related to these accounts that I can even like trace that they are connected to them? And you really can't. Wow. It's very bizarre that you can't really find who owns it, who's producing it, who's putting it out there. And, and they're high production value, right? Yes, very high production value, very professional. And they're using like really advanced technology, things like binaural beats, um, things mm -hmm. like um, other auditory programs that are fairly new from what I can tell that um, seem to affect the brain waves um, and put people into like a trance-like state. And on top of those audio tracks, they will layer hypnotic suggestion, um, sound effects. So these are mostly audio programs. So the, the, uh, the pornography part is visual and has sure. some of these elements, but the pornography actually routes you to these programs. So they rope people in with the porn and then say, oh, if you like this, go check out this website because there's a whole program that will actually turn you into one of the people or like one of the characters or archetypes that you're seeing in the pornography. Like if you're into this, we can make you one of them. Just come here and check out this program. Um, and it's free. You don't even have to buy it. You don't even need a credit card to access it. So children could, could access this quite easily. And you have to wonder why put in all this production value? Why have these high quality um, programs and then make them free? Right. So then I immediately thought like, okay, well, I kind of know of something like that. Um, so let's take a look and, and see, let's go back into the MK Ultra files and find out if they did anything like this. And sure enough, um, Dr. Ewan Cameron at the uh, McGill University in Canada, this was a huge thing back in the seventies where this is not something I made up guys. This is not some uh, crazy internet conspiracy that I like invented or like I extrapolated from something. This is something you can go read about on Wikipedia. There were 77 families affected by this man's MKUltra research. So he was an official part <clears throat> of the CIA's MKUltra program. He was working out of psychiatric hospitals at McGill and he would get people who were admitted to the psych ward for anything from like postpartum depression to mild depression to PTSD or anxiety. These weren't even like, um, like very mentally ill people. They were there for rather mildish conditions. Mm -hmm. And he would do things like put them in chemically induced comas, um, dose them with LSD, DMT, different forms of like liquid marijuana, a wide array of, array of drugs, which was like a central thing in the MKUltra program. And they were trying to find like either a truth serum or some kind of chemical that would let them kind of program people. And his goal was to find out how easily he could program people's psyches. Specifically, what he did was wipe people's minds and then try to reprogram them. So he would put people in chemically induced comas um, while they were in this coma, he would play audio tracks, hypnosis audio tracks, some of the same exact stuff that I saw in these um, creepy programs online. And they would first tear the person down with like really negative messaging, like things, things would repeat. And this was, he, I think the person he had under this the longest was like 40 some days that he had someone under like in a chemically induced coma playing these audio tracks the whole time. 
Wow. Uh, things that, yeah, it was brutal. Things that would tell the person, um, you know, like you're terrible, you're a bad person, you deserve this, your parents don't love you, like really, really negative reinforcement for a traumatic time. Oh yeah, definitely. Like a trauma-based mind control program. And then once the person was sufficiently torn down, he would experiment with how easily we could reprogram them to believe certain things or think certain things. And what happened with these people is, of course, this came to light because his, his program shockingly was so effective that 77 families came together and had a class action lawsuit against him because their relatives were so disabled from these experiments. Some of the people could no longer walk or talk when they got out of the hospital. Some of them were um, regressed to being infants and were no longer potty trained, would suck their thumb, um, couldn't talk anymore, didn't remember who their family members were. It was really bad. They made um, a movie out of it. There was like a made for TV movie that was done, I think in the eighties called The Sleep Room about this. And yeah, 77 Canadian families were awarded large sums of money to keep quiet about this, to make it go away. So we know for sure that this happened. We have like really good, really, really good record of it because of the lawsuits. And so I looked at this and I was (laughs) like, this is the same techniques. Like he was using binaural beats. He was using auditory, repetitive auditory hypnosis techniques um, Mm -hmm. and these pre-recorded tracks, you know, decades ago to do this with people. Sure. So the other thing that was crazy about these programs is that they've been around for a while. It looks like around 2013 is when we can first find these programs online. But something very interesting happened in 2020 when we had the the coup lockdowns, right? Right. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but many porn companies offered people free um, memberships. Pornhub, mm-hmm. RedTube were offering 30 days free. A lot of the people that were trapped on cruise ships were getting like free platinum memberships to porn sites. It was like, we're going to lock you in your house and give you like free access to like infinite amounts of porn. Right. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, um, searches for transgender type of porn went through the roof. They like tripled or doubled or something. Wow. And, um, all these programs started popping up and becoming really popular. And so then you see it coming up on Reddit and you hear people talking about it on social media about their experiences with this. And so I had just gotten done reading about the poor uh, victims of Dr. Cameron and how they had regressed to a childlike state and couldn't function anymore. And the people who used this, these programs, the one I focus on the most is called Bambi sleep. It's Mm -hmm. probably the most popular, um, it's even, even the name Bambi sleep sounds to me like something they would name, you know, like the MK ultra is an umbrella term, but the little programs under it had lots of funky names that sound like that. Totally. So, but and these so do people, the triggers when you talk to people yes. like SRA victims. Yeah. They have yes, these names yes. that, yeah. Yeah. They had, um, like, um, gosh, what's the one that they would call like the women that they would program to be spies. And um, I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, but it was this kind of code name language type of stuff. Totally. Um, And the people who have used this program and were saying that it had so negatively affected them were saying things like, I can't use the bathroom without trigger words. I can't, I can't get myself 
to pull my pants down. Um, I'm at work and can't focus. I can't think. It's like my cognitive ability that I've always had is gone. Um, there were people saying they'd lost their jobs, um, gotten divorced, like it was really impacting people. And they seemed very sincere to me. And then mm -hmm. I told you like this other author had the same feedback when she published a video about it, where she got like hundreds of emails of people saying that, like, if you know anybody who can help undo this, please help me because I'm, this is still like ruining my life, you know, a year or two later after using it. So, right. but it was very similar things where these people are reporting like cognitive decline and um, memory loss and problems functioning in everyday life, just like the McGill experiments. So yeah, just looking into it all, I saw all these parallels. Um, I can't find out who's putting these programs out there. They have this really high production value. So like, I don't have like a smoking gun saying this is the CIA doing it, but we're seeing the exact same techniques, the same types of things used, and they're being used at a time when people are locked in their homes. Like this mm -hmm. is when they, when they really choose to pull the trigger and really put it out there and disseminate it to the public. And now two years later, look at the rise in the number of people who are gender transitioning and look at the rise in the number of people who, um, I mean, we've, it, this stuff has just gone nuts in the last two years. Yeah. It's it no longer, it's no longer a discussion about bathrooms or this tiny, small segment of the population. We now have 20, 20% or more of Gen Z identifying as some kind of LGBT. Something um, crazy like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, to me, it, it fits this pattern really well of they test these experiments, they use them in these private settings, you know, where they can test the results and quantify the results. And then when there's a, a disaster, a war, uh, any type of emergency, and they've got everybody in this Petri dish, they put it out there and test it on the public is what it, what it looked like to me after months of, you know, studying this and trying to figure it out. So yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I always say that I feel like a lot of my, my conclusion now having dove into so much of this research is that a lot of war is really just an excuse for beta testing and research. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you start diving into, you see like the Vietnam war was where they did all that geoengineering uh, research. Yeah. You know, right. And then, the, and a lot of uh, chemical warfare research, the cold war certainly had, you know, bio warfare. Um, we could go on and on, but you see yeah. that in each one. And essentially they put, I, I always say they put the D in front and then they just, you know, like ARPA was, it was ARPA and then it became DARPA because once you right. put a D in front of it, you have a black ops budget and you can classify everything. They can basically have carte blanche, do whatever they want. Yes. So I'm curious your thoughts on uh, the, so what the agenda is. So let's say if we can't prove that it's necessarily the CIA, but it does seem like it's, it is some well-oiled machine with a significant amount of money behind them right. that is putting these uh, videos and this infrastructure in place. So what do you think the agenda might be? And then my little tag question onto that is, do you think that there is a, a motive and a correlation between uh, transgenderism and that agenda and the transhuman agenda? Oh, for sure. There definitely <laughs> is. Um, one of the more alarming things that I found was I think this is connected to human trafficking, actually, yeah. because one of the other features of these programs is once they get you into this, right, once you 
get this program you've gotten through. And these are long programs. They take like weeks for the person to become fully immersed in. They come with all these really um, specific directions on how to properly use it, what to do and what not to do for it to work. Um, and then once you get to the end of these programs, they say, okay, now that you're becoming a woman or now that you want to be fully bimbo-fied or, um, you know, you're going to need a lot of money to finish this transition because now that you're mentally there and emotionally there in your mind transitioning to a woman, you're going to need to get the body and the wardrobe and the look and everything else. So you're going to need, um, you know, fillers, you're going to need lash extensions, you're going to need lots of plastic surgery, um, you know, breast implants, waist reduction, fat implants, hormones, you're going to need the hormone therapy. It, it pushes the person like quite harshly to start hormone therapy, like in a pretty brutal way, like this, um, it uses this AI voice, like the really high quality, um, like AI program that sounds like a woman talking. Mm -hmm. And it tells the person, like, you have to do this now, you need to start the hormone therapy, just go and get it and get it done. Because if you don't, you're never gonna have sex ever again. You're gonna be one of these beta males that just watches the alphas taking out the pretty girls on the date and everyone will be having sex except you. So if you ever want to have sex again, you're gonna have to become one of the girls. You're gonna have to be the sexy girl that the alpha takes on the date or you're gonna be alone forever. So get the hormones, like just start it. And it will, it will kind of like that negative reinforcement comes back and really pushes the person to start this process. And it says, look, this is going to be really expensive. So you should probably, um, you know, start an OnlyFans or start um, being, start some prostitution or things like that. Be a sex worker. You might as well anyway, right? Isn't that the point of this? Didn't you get into this through pornography? Isn't this what you really want? So just go ahead and become a sex worker. And that's how you're going to fund the rest of your transition. So I think there is a big um, element of this where they do want to push people into situations where they're easily trafficked and things like that. The other side of it, yes, I think is definitely the transhumanist stuff because um, like you had covered at your recent episode with Jay Dyer and Dr. James Lindsay was fantastic. And they did a really good job of explaining how the transgender stuff ties mm -hmm. into the transhumanist stuff where we can get population reduction. We can get people nice and docile and easily suggestible. We can mm -hmm. get them really, really dependent on, on the system and the pharmaceutical companies and, and these really expensive treatments that they're going to need for life. Yep. All in all in one nice little package, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and I think that that's a big part of it. And yes, the, the other really insidious thing about this program is that it is purposefully trying to lower the person's IQ because it tells- There's the, been a war on IQ for a long time, hasn't yeah, there? there? It really seems has. that way. Yeah. yeah. And apparently like the feedback that all these people are giving is that this works. And at first I was really skeptical about that. I was like, really, you know, first I was thinking, why would you ever want to do this? Right. But then, you know, they rope you in what they always do, right? They rope you in with like either a drug addiction or a porn addiction, some kind of addiction that makes you dependent. Right. And then you feel like you kind of, it's very easy when people are vulnerable like that to talk them into anything. So um, they've been doing this since the East Indian British company. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. But way before but yeah, that, too. Is, but that was kind of the major explosion of the uh, addiction yes. consumerism cycle. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And yeah, this is kind of a, this is nothing new under the sun. These are all things <laughs> right, that we right. can 
we can trace back and really see like patterns, right? And that's yeah. how you that's how you find out what's going on and what these people are up to. They have a long history and many patterns you can follow. And this yeah. definitely fit the pattern. But at first, even I knowing the stuff I know was still like, really? Like, I, I was very skeptical that this could sure. work, but there was a lot of research done with MK Ultra to make people vegetables, to wipe their mind clean, to reduce their IQ, to make them easily suggestible, to figure out how you could get them basically into a state where they don't have their own critical thinking abilities anymore. Um, and that's the other thing that I think would be beneficial to, you know, <laughs> the global elite or these organizations who might be pushing this stuff is get people we think that TV is dumbing people down, but this is just like taking it to a whole new level where it really is putting the person in, in a position where they're just completely reliant on these programs, on trigger words to function. I think it's, again, not that it doesn't necessarily mean they want to do this to the whole entire population, but it's they're checking to see what they can do. They're testing mm -hmm. the limits of this, these therapies, these technologies and these programs. Um, and in the article, I go into a little bit of the history of hypnosis because mm -hmm. a lot of people, the pop culture notion is that it's silly and it doesn't work, right. but it actually goes back to ancient times to um, temple sleep. They used to call it drumming. Mm -hmm. uh, like even in ancient times, they would use drumming patterns. And um, a lot of the ancient temples were built in such a way that sound would reverberate at a certain frequency and these sort of things. Um, which make this all much more um, effective. Sure. So, so this is like a modern version of that where they use tech, very high tech stuff to create these programs that we know alter people's brainwaves and affect their cognitive abilities. Sure. So it's it's like um, all of the brainwashing research of MK Ultra that they put into like a little package that's very potent that they could put out to the public. And again, it's free guys. Why would, who would go to all this and create these things? Think of all the money and the technology you'd have to put into it and then to get it out there and everything. And you're just going to give it to people for free. Why? Because you just want this for them. You just want them to really have a good time when they're, you know, getting their jollies. I don't think so. <laughs> and it just happens to fit this pattern and tie into this agenda. And I think, um, yeah, this goes along with the whole, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Um, be in the metaverse. Yeah. Be in the metaverse. Um, you can just plug into these programs. You can plug into the internet and you can be anything. You can be mm -hmm. the hot girl in the porn video. Now you can be, um, uh, a rich bimbo girl who gets everything she wants. You can like the Paris Hilton kind of stereotype of a rich bimbo who just doesn't. And this is the other thing that the program tells the person over and over is like, you don't have any worries. You don't have any responsibilities. There's nothing for you to worry about. All you have to do is, you know, just open your mouth and be a receptacle or open, you know, open your orifices and be a receptacle and everything will be taken care of for you. It's very insidious messaging that's like yeah. trying to get the person to abandon reality, abandon responsibility, abandon critical thinking and just become like a vessel, right? 
Yeah. And then, and, and, and then says, go start doing some uh, prostitution and uh, human trafficking stuff so that you can pay for this wonderful new carefree life that you have as a sex toy. Very bizarre. So like when you're looking at it on its face, you're like, this is just weird. And I could see how a lot of people would just dismiss it. Mm-hmm. But sure. that's why I, that's why I went. It's also so dark. It. Most people don't want to look at it. Oh yeah. I've sent this to, I sent this to some people that usually they know some things about this kind of programming. And even a lot of people who I thought would be interested were like, this is like nightmare fuel, <laughs> like good work and everything. But I don't know if I really want to like, I don't think I can get into this. Like even yeah. people who I, I was surprised that certain people really found it that disturbing, but it is, yeah. it truly is that disturbing. So sorry, sorry, everyone, but <laughs> I feel like there's a duty to, I mean, we know about the dark things that go on in yeah. the world and there is a duty to reveal those things if you find them and warn people, because like mm-hmm. I said, this seems to be a lot of people using these programs. They're very popular. You can I mean, you can go to the website and the Patreon right now, and this stuff is all still up. It's all still running. There's still people subscribing to it, um, downloading it. And wow. these, um, this type of subgenre of pornography is still there. In fact, that's another thing I mentioned in the article is that if you guys are familiar with the directors of the Matrix movies, the mm-hmm. Wachowski, they Wachowski. used to be the Wachowski brothers. Right. Now they're the Wachowski sisters. And they say, Wait, are they really? Did I miss this? They transitioned what yeah they okay. have both they have both fully transitioned they are now lana and lily i think wakowski and I missed they, this. okay yeah <laughs> yeah right. i mean well there's a lot you know it's yeah. a lot in <laughs> yeah this, this world is full of crazy but <laughs> they say that programs of this nature are what got them to transition they say that these programs were instrumental in helping them transition they, wow. they, yeah, early on when they first got to Hollywood, when they were making the first Matrix movie, they got involved. One of them got involved into like the BDSM scene mm-hmm. and got into this stuff that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's famous people, very famous people, mm-hmm. apparently, who know about these programs and are using them. And we know that Hollywood, sure. <clears throat> Hollywood tends to always also be involved in these things. You always find like Hollywood, the CIA, the occult. And then like a lot of times um, mafias and things like that all working together in this weird and crazy world that we're, that we're talking about. But I was going to say, I I don't see them as being separate at all. There are the, it's almost, you use, you use the uh, octopus analogy before, and I do kind of see them all as tentacles of the same head and they do very much work together. I I don't think there, any of those that you mentioned during, uh, isolation you know how we know so and again when you talk about uh, declassified documents we have so much evidence of mk ultra directly through hollywood yeah yeah oh yeah i mean that was like one of the main things if you've ever read like dave mcgowan's books or there's been a ton of great work done on this by jay dyer and other mm-hmm. people where this yeah. is the super clear connection they had like oh beta sex kittens that's what i was trying to think of that's earlier. it yes <laughs> yeah um like even britney spears you can look at her behavior over the last yeah. 20 years and see some things that yeah. really fit this pattern you can see it 
with a lot of different people. And, and, and I'll tell you with Brittany, I mean, I've, I've always suspected, I obviously can't prove it, but I've talked to a lot yeah. of people who have worked with her directly and it does seem like an MK Ultra case. And I, I have heard some stories, obviously I won't name anybody, but you know, people who have witnessed firsthand that this is not a conservatorship issue, that this goes, right. you know, the powers that are pulling the strings are way beyond that. And even to the extent that they've put, they've drugged like her makeup. Yeah. 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 It's really, really horrifying. It yeah. is. And so, I mean, you might look at this and think like Rachel's nuts. There's no way this sounds like she's trying to sensationalize something and, <laughs> you know, get people to read it. But again, it's like, we, we have clear documentation and that's why I try so hard to lay it out yeah. in the article in a way that people can verify everything and see that what I'm saying is not made up or that I didn't take giant leaps of logic with it or anything. Um, if we have like two famous Hollywood directors whose movies, by the way, are not unrelated to this subject material at all. Like the matrix is probably one of the top yep. propaganda pieces that, that that movie franchise in, in and of itself totally is plays a huge part in like preparing people for this technocratic future that we're talking about. And the directors of those movies themselves have transitioned to females using these kinds of programs guys. So it's a real thing, unfortunately. And like I said, it's free. You don't need a credit card. There's no checking what your age is or anything. So there could be, we know that the average child um, first accesses pornography on their phone or tablet by mm -hmm. the age of about 10 or 11 now. So we, they can absolutely find these programs. Kids are on Reddit. Kids are on, you know, porn sites, unfortunately. Yeah. And sure. um, I, if this is what it can do to adults, I hate to think of what it could do to kids. And um, like, I think I'll just be like watching as the years go by to see if we, if I find any reports of kids accessing this programs and what happens because uh, I just feel like that's usually what they do too, is like they try it with kids. It's always yeah. seems to be like a pattern of, okay, we'll test it on the kids now and see what happens because kids are very suggestible. There's a lot mm -hmm. less wipe clean. There's a lot less barriers there. Um, so I think that's another insidious part of it is why would you do all this and make it free, make it easily accessible? There's no check on the age. There's nothing. It's just there. Anybody can go download these programs and start using them. And there's also, so there's this, the one, um, subreddit of people saying it was horrible and they're trying to stop right and undo this undo this conditioning and then there's an alternative one of people saying it worked and it was great and even showing before and after pictures of themselves and sharing updates on their transition and um how great it is to feel like um their cognitive decline is such that they don't even care about what happens to them in life like I'm fine just being like, you know, a prostitute now. And I just have rich Johns that pay for my stuff and life is great. I don't have to work at a job and it's great to be like, the, it's called bimbofication, which is another thing I didn't know existed prior to this, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to read this stuff and see that it appears to be real. Yeah. That it's out there. So for sure. Um, what do you think the purpose of 
So, so you say so you definitely agree that there's a, an agenda between and it's connected the transgender to the transhuman. Um, yeah. Why? What? Wh- what is the benefit for them in the creating all these transgender or people who want to trans transition? What do you think? Um, well, there's a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One is if you go back um, about a hundred years or so, hundred hundred fifty years, and you start reading you know, the elites like HG Wells, and even um, in my book on feminism, I cover a lot of the feminists and how um, people like Simone de Beauvoir, philosophers, Mm -hmm. um, people who were the intellectuals of the time who were really pushing feminism, they all talked about how feminism was just like a precursor to a genderless um, world where we're all going to go back to the one. We're not going to have individuals anymore we're not going to have genders we're not going to have the nuclear family we're all just going to be part of the blob this is another thing that you'll run into over and over again is this like ancient gnostic monistic idea of everybody we're all stardust and we're all going to return to the source to the one and um that even as far back as like the 1840s i was finding like early feminist writings about wanting to erase gender yeah wanting to erase the idea of gender and gender roles, because then you're just a person. Well, Man. then are you really a person or can you be something else? Maybe you can escape personhood. And this is something, another phrase we see in the abortion debate right now, mm-hmm. this argument of personhood. I just recently posted a video where I showed the 1992 clip of Bill Clinton saying abortion should be safe, legal, and rare in America. Mm-hmm. And then to now, 1992 to 2022, now we have protesters in the streets screaming, I love killing babies, you know, things like that. I, I put them side by side so you can see, like, this is 30 years. Yep. In only 30 years, we went from safe, legal, rare to I love killing babies. And people talking about personhood and, well, really, personhood doesn't actually occur until you're maybe two years old or maybe five years old. So, We have people talking about post-birth abortion. We have people talking about making infanticide legal and making, um, you know, the like assisted suicide legal. That's a thing in Canada right now. If you are mentally ill and poor and you want to end your life, they're going to help you. Like the Canadian government is now saying they're going to help people. You know, this is another theme that always comes up with the global elites and that they're their worldview, the way that they see the world, it always goes back to depopulation. You got to get rid of useless eaters. We've got to, um, it would just be much better if we could manage and dictate everything. And the population was really small and we could just escape humanism and personhood and the idea of being a person all together and just transcend this whole world, right? Mm -hmm. The Matrix was really instrumental in that because The Matrix was the first movie to really put out into the whole consciousness of society that like, maybe we are all just brains and bats. Maybe Mm -hmm. we're not, maybe what is reality? How do you know Mm -hmm. that reality is real? How do you know that you're you? How do you, you know, like just these ideas all go together and I can see how it sounds crazy to people and it does. (laughs) (laughs) But you can go back 100, 150 years, even further than that. And there were people who had these ideas then. Descartes had this, right? The the brain body dualism. Yeah. Yeah. We are minds. And and they always, they always foresaw that technology would be the way that they could 
get around God, get around reality and make these things happen the way that they wanted to. And we, we know that the internet is super powerful and you, it can be used for great stuff like what we're doing right now. Yeah. But it would be foolish to think that the people who have this worldview and have these ideas aren't going to also use it for this kind of thing. Yeah. So if I were them, I would absolutely take everything I learned from MK Ultra, bundle it up in some little programs and put it out there and see mm. what happens. Like, that's what I would do if I were them. Thank God I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, I think that, yeah, I think the transhumanist thing is all like the transgender stuff has to come first before the yeah. trans. I think it's the final step though. Yeah. I really think it's the final step. And feminism had to come first. Feminism had to come before transgenderism. It's just question all these things, right? Question what it means to be a woman. Question. We had a, you know, the the Supreme Court justice they were just vetting. Who's they asked her what a woman was, and she said, "I don't know. I'm not a biologist." You know, like what is a woman? Nobody even knows. And now, if you even try to say that you know what that is, you'll have people online attack you and say that you're a bigot and say that you're a terrible person and um, that a woman is anyone who says that they are and what is it really? And it's not really anything. And so it's going to be the same thing now with being human. So, um, I think the world economic forum just put out something else really recently, like in the last week where they were saying smartphones will be inside of you by 2030 or 2035. And it had like a little graphic of the person's head opening up and the smartphone going in. And yeah, that's like, you won't even have to carry it. It'll, it'll be inside you, which is what Klaus always loves to say. We're going to be inside you. Right. Yep. And and And, they don't have to, you know, you don't have to even have a chip implanted, you know, they, they do have this remote kind of technology where they have self-assembling nanofibers that basically create a chip. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Elon's got the neural link and uh, Charles Lieber is partners with him, created the neural lace. And that's essentially. Yes. Yeah. And his uh, his he has a patent on the technology you may be familiar with where, you know, it's injected and then it becomes self-assembling fibers. The nano lace is like thinner than a, a, a strand of hair and they do yeah. self-assemble mesh and then it can be remotely activated as like a binary weapon that has a payload that becomes activated through radioactive technology but honestly they don't even need that they can do it uh you know using other means of uh uh, payloads and binary weapons without even injecting it using frequencies they have technology on that as well yeah yeah do you remember just a couple years ago when all of the uh people at the cuban embassy were getting attacked by this weird audio the havana syndrome yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Did they ever, I never heard if they ever got to the bottom of what that was about. And it happened in a couple places. And it's like, everything just gets memory holds so fast now that they can put this stuff out there. They can tell yeah. people about it. And uh, people either just don't believe it or forget about it the next day. I had a guy um, when we pulled out of Afghanistan, there was this guy on Twitter where I was like, this is Operation Cyclone, you guys. Like, mm-hmm. we know about this. And the guy was like, <laughs> He goes, that's made up. Why don't you peddle more conspiracy theories? And I linked him to the CIA.gov papers that you can read about Operation Cyclone. And he still refused to believe it. I'm like, they're tell- it's not me telling you. It's the CIA telling you, yes, we did this. And he was like, I don't believe that for one second. Okay. You know, so it's like, can you not read? Is- well, I mean, I... 
I feel like there are people who do love their programming. They're like that yeah. character in the matrix who just wants to be plugged back in because this yeah. stuff is, it's awful to think about, to be honest. It is. Of course. Like I said, even people who know about these sort of things that I've shared this with have been like, this is a little much even for me. Like it's really just grossing me out. It just creeps me out. And I really don't want to think about it. Um, yeah. And I, so I think that we, they do tell you, I mean, they come right they out do. and tell you what they're yes. doing. And most people, because most people aren't bad. And most people aren't malevolent. They don't, they can't really understand how someone else would want to do this or how you could have group, a group of people with all this power and money that over the course of centuries have maintained this worldview. And these, that's the most common objection is like, well, think about how many people would have to be in on a plan like that. And it's like, okay, but we just went through COVID and everybody went along with the plan. You guys like that was proof positive that with enough messaging right they can tell you absurd things like you can only go down the grocery store aisle in this direction because that's going to save lives and people go well okay i'm not a bad person i don't want anyone to get sick and die i want to save lives and they will do it yeah so it really doesn't take as much as you would think to get every, to get enough people to buy in, you'll never get everyone to buy in, right? But you can get enough people to buy in that it perpetuates and keeps this stuff going. Totally, totally. I wanted to ask you about you had touched a little bit on uh, the this the hallucinogenic drugs and how and the, how similar it is to the MK Ultra, and there's a huge trend right now with microdosing and psilocybin. I've gotten into argument, or we'll we'll call it just you know friendly disagreements, (laughs) Um, you know, but with friends who are very very awake, you know, uh, talking about this because I just think it's worth questioning that AOC is trying to push for a bill on it, you know, to legalize it. That all these celebrities are coming out and they're and it's always couched in this, you know, it's going to be healing and, you know, for post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety. And, you know, this is medicinal. It is not, yeah. it's not to have a trip. It's not a, uh, it, it's, it's not what you typically think of as a um, recreational drug. So that, that's how it's being couched. But, you know, mRNA, uh, Moderna was uh, couched under the guise that they were going to cure cancer with it. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So this is another thing I do note in the article is that if you guys remember during the lockdowns, in addition to giving everybody the free porn, they shut down all the churches, but they kept open marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores. Um, nobody was getting arrested for drug offenses or anything like that. Um, so yeah, there was definitely an, and if you guys haven't noticed, marijuana is not what it was like when I was a kid <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's so like there you can go to a dispensary on any corner in any town in most states now. Like I live in a fairly conservative area, but there's, we got as many dispensaries as we have churches in my little rural town now. Yeah. And they have compounds there that are comparable to opioids. Right. Now I know that marijuana doesn't kill people like opioids do, but that actually is a benefit. If you're somebody that wants to use these kind of mm-hmm. drugs for mind control or things like that, you might want to have something that is strong enough to work similar to an opioid, but maybe not just kill the person <laughs> because people did start to take notice of the opioid crisis and how heinous that was. And everybody was looking at the pharmaceutical companies going, what, 
what are they up to? What's going on here? Right. So um, pushing this as an alternative does make some sense when you consider that in the 1940s, they were already using really strong lab created liquid forms of marijuana derivatives that they would inject or use in an IV in MKUltra experiments. Totally. So I think that that that's part of it. And then, like you said, with the hallucinogens, like with LSD and DMT, if you guys know the history, LSD was created by the CIA, by the government under these programs for this purpose, right? And now, yeah, they're pushing it as a cure, as uh, something that's going to heal you from the, I've even seen it pushed as like a end of life thing for people with cancer mm -hmm. um, for, and there was a very popular person. I don't want to say who it is yet because I'm working on a piece about this right now. There's okay. a very, pop, very popular person on social media mm -hmm. who is, he's kind of known as a mogul who's got his hands in a lot of different pots and he's super successful, very, mm -hmm. very wealthy in a lot of areas, former right. military. Okay. And he's got a whole new company that's pushing the microdosing of LSD and psilocybin and DMT. And he has major connections to BlackRock and a lot of these military industrial entities. And in addition to that, I have found that there are multiple facilities around the country that do aeronautics, um, nuclear energy, atomic weapons, and also, for some reason, do biological research on it'll say like, you know, bioweapons type stuff, but they always do AIDS and cancer research. Always mm -hmm. AIDS and cancer research oh. with, you know, rocket technology and with uh, nuclear <laughs> rocket. The rocketry seems to be like the, the catch-all cover, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, it does. So it's Operation like- Operation Paperclip. Yes, exactly. So mm -hmm. these- these entities are always working together with this stuff. And then the people I'm finding that some of these more prominent people pushing this now have like very obvious ties. Like they have huge, they're huge stakeholders in these companies. They've worked in the military industrial complex and they just really want you to not have PTSD anymore. So just take their um, LSD because they really care about you. It's just, it's always the same types of patterns. Once you, once you, have seen it, you'll see it kind of everywhere. So that's something I'm working on right now is these weird connections. Um, and, and wait till you guys hear who some of the people are who are running these programs and who their relatives are and who their what lineage they come from. Mm -hmm. It'll blow your mind. So be Ooh. on the lookout for that. I can't wait to see that. that that's something I'm really, really intrigued by because these people, and I, I won't ask you to blow the lid on your, we'll, we'll wait to read it. Um, but I'll send I, it to you before I make it public. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I would love sure. that. I, I do think they're these, uh, you know, the ultimate puppet masters seem to have this very, very vested interest in uh, pure lineage. And yes. right and, and I think that there is something to be said for, uh, you know, we were talking about before about like IQ constantly being attacked, right? But there was a period where they were constantly testing it, right? So there's, there's a very, uh, and we know that there, it's one of the most highly correlated genetic uh, uh, attributes, right? And so yeah. they're also, then, then they have like the 23andMe where they're constantly testing people's DNA. So there's just all these different facets of where you see these, there's such vested interest in figuring out what uh, genetic lineages 
are and how yeah. they're connected and what groups possess different attributes. And then yeah. you have to wonder about certain uh, bioweapons that they create and who are they targeting and what are the genetic components there. And, you know, if you trace back, it, you, you would, the conclusion would likely be that the people who are pulling these strings come from a similar line. We know that they're invested yeah. in maintaining the purity of that line. So, yeah. 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 There's just, it's, it's people that I would have never guessed. So my second book is about like, um, like the Bolshevik communists and their mm -hmm. dabbles in feminist stuff. Um, they were mm -hmm. the first to legalize abortion and they had a whole women's department where they were trying to push like devailing campaigns on um, Muslim women in Central Asia. And they were also mm -hmm. in Tibet looking for weird, like occult magic stuff and up in Siberia looking for weird occult magic stuff to help them take over the world at the same time that the Nazis were. It's, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm like sitting there researching. I'm like, I should have just started a YouTube where I did nails and just like, you know, play with <laughs> glitter or something. Like, why did I do this to myself? I'm not sure. But um, yeah, the, I, so I found connections between like Bolshevik communists and the, the financiers of that and the people who are behind some of this, some of this stuff now. And it's like their grandkids, their great grandkids are now running things yep. here. It's, it's crazy. So that'll be coming out pretty soon. Hopefully I'm almost done okay. with it. I think it's one of those things where you think you're done and then you find some other crazy and you're like, oh, what? Yeah you have to keep going so <laughs> you know it always does keep going well yeah we'll be on the lookout for that one too uh the other thing i wanted to ask you about you have mentioned it really briefly in this uh article but uh and so few people even know about it i've done live streams i've done a couple of podcasts on it but i uh, i'm curious about tavistock and their kind of ties to all of this you know certainly we know shell shock therapy like pretty much comes out of yeah or mind control shock mind control trauma-based mind control yeah all comes yeah. out of that so yeah so tavistock it's usually you'll say find the same like again the same entities behind these things mm -hmm. tavistock institute rockefeller foundation and then like the kaiser wilhelm foundation in germany yep all around the same time all kind of doing the same stuff and they yeah they had um programs that were hypno, hypno, hypnosis based, uh, mind control and things like that too. Um, and in my book, I mentioned them too, because they, they, they also, all these entities had a hand in developing birth control. Yes. Um, birth control. And pills, Tavistock control was shots. very instrumental in the uh, propaganda for feminism. Yes. They were huge. Yeah. 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 So Again, not super shocked to find out that they could be related to this kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's hard to believe that like, you can just go to their website right now and I they'll know. tell you about their glorious history of how much they've helped everyone and all the great work that they've done. I know and I was diving into it and it's a lot of it is around the transgender stuff. Yeah. Right now. And so like the, the Trevor project and things like that, that they have out now where it's like, um, it's always portrayed as a good thing. We're helping people. We just want to help you. We just want people to be happy. Don't you want people to be happy? And then if you, if you speak out against this stuff, it's always like, well, you're trying to push your crazy conservative Christian worldview on me. And it's like, 
Uh, no, that would be the people who are trying to get your kids to watch sissy hypno porn. Um, I think you should worry about them more than me. Um, but that's why I talk about homeschooling a lot too. Uh, we homeschool yeah. and I don't think that in, in 2022, I don't know how you can not see it with public schools, how you cannot understand what's going on and how they're connected to all this stuff. Um, but I do understand the reality of the fact that most families now need two incomes, right? Right. I think that's by design. Oh, it is for sure. Like in my book, I talk about that a lot, how this is an effort to make it a two person income thing. And it eventually won't even be that. And we're almost to that right now, like with inflation and stuff, how it is right now, you have most households have both working parents and people are still barely getting by. So like to think about homeschooling can be really tough for people, but one little silver lining, and this is what always happens. Mm -hmm. These people can never just outright win because there's always some unintended consequence of what they do that provides, provides us a way out. Right. So, so many people are working remotely now that by, um, I think 2025, they're saying a full 25% of North Americans will work remotely from home. That does, that does present a pretty great opportunity for families to be able to work some homeschooling in and stuff like that. And to me, yeah. it's like, if you can do one hour a day of homeschooling and keep your kids out of public school, you'll be so far ahead and you won't have to expose them to that. And, um, you'll just be so much better off. Yeah. Um, I, I went on Tucker Carlson to tell people to homeschool and that this pandemic provides you guys an opportunity where you might be able to work that in where you couldn't before when you had to leave your house for eight or nine hours every day, you know? So there's always a silver lining. There's always something we can do to like kind of use their own um, creepy stuff against them. But yeah, Tavistock Institute, Rockefeller Foundation, it's always the same groups it's always the same people behind it and if you want to make sure that we're not crazy you can go to these people's websites they have a lot of their white papers that you Mm -hmm. can download and read um they do they do pretty much just put right out there what they're going to do like the bill and melinda gates foundation go to their website download some white papers and just skim through them they're really long they're really boring so they know you're not going to sit there and read the whole thing unless you're me and you're strange (laughs) Um, but you can just, you can just skim through and they'll even have like infographics and things that just kind of put it right out there for you so that you can really see what they're doing. And of course they always tell it to you as like, it's, it's always, well, we're not doing that, but if we were doing that, it would be be a good thing. And it's only because we love you and we just want what's best for you. You know, it's always, that is that's how they always package it and I think that for the most part they believe that well I think so too and they really think they know better what's best for you than you could possibly know they they care so much about you and they're just you know so so far above you that they are able to see what you can't see and therefore they are the best people to help you the most yeah and like you guys were discussing the other day if you have this Gnostic worldview that that life is suffering, reality is suffering, that life is harsh and awful and and it's terrible, then yeah. really it's a very benevolent thing to do to make sure that less people exist. Like Margaret Sanger is famous for her quote where she said, the most merciful thing a large family can do for one of its members is kill it. Yep. 
um, you'll so you'll see this pop up again and again where they'll basically kind of say it's it would be better for you it'd be better for you to not exist it'd be better for you not to have children um there's even there's an organization right now that's like an openly antinatalist organization that is telling people not to have children that it's bad for mother earth that it's bad for people that if people exist they're going to suffer why would you want to do that to them um so just don't have kids you know that kind of stuff and it's it really does come from these ancient Gnostic ideas, these, yeah. these ideas that go back thousands of years. Mm -hmm. um, and it will probably always be with us. Like, I don't think yeah. that stuff's ever going to go away. No. Um, and the way that you fight it is you live a good life. You have mm -hmm. a family, you, mm -hmm. um, you get married, you stay married, you have your children, you um, do good to people, you, um, expose this stuff when you find it and you know do like what you're doing and help people understand what's going on with it um like you're a great example of somebody who they would probably say it would just be better if you didn't exist and look at what you've done with your life i mean it's so amazing it's like this huge white people to white pill to have people like you out there Thank as you. an example that we can look at and be like wow like imagine that they would say oh well you know it'd be probably better if she didn't exist they actually did say that um so my the doctor was dyslexic he read the titer when my mom had the titer tested as being 112 and the titer was 121 they would have advised my mom to have an abortion and my mom most likely would have had an abortion when i was born the hospital was covering up for the doctor because they knew he had made a mistake and my parents, when they finally got confirmation, sued and it was called a wrongful birth case because the alternative would have been to be to abort me. Oh, my goodness. See, isn't that. But then look at you. Look at what you're <laughs> doing. You're amazing. Like, thank you. I, I don't have any like physical disabilities, but <laughs> you're kicking my butt every like I went to the gym today and you had texted me and said you were at the gym. I'm like, she's probably kicking my butt right now. You know, she's probably, probably outdoing me on everything. So th these people don't know. They don't no. know the value of a human being or what your life's going to be like. I have a daughter that's on the autism spectrum and they told me that she would never be past about a third a three-year-old three or four-year-old wow. capability um and that i should really just make arrangements for her to be taken care of at a facility because i had four other children and it was going to be really tough on the family and you know i should probably just start making arrangements for her mm -hmm. care yeah and i was they told my like, mom that too that's yeah yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and i was just like no and no absolutely no. not <laughs> um and we like, you know, we did everything we could do with her to help her with that. Like we did dietary stuff. We did therapy stuff. She is homeschooled and she's 13 now. And most people that meet her don't, would never know that she's even on the autism spectrum. That's she has awesome. like, she has tiny things about her that you might notice. Like she has little stims that she'll do sometimes, but she is 13 and she's actually working on a book about animals because in homeschooling she like loves animals and started writing reports on them just for fun that's wow. the great thing about 
great thing about homeschooling is your kids start to like learning on their yeah. own. And they just and then they find what things. they enjoy in their personal yeah. interests. Yeah. So she had like 33 different reports she had written and they were all so well done and so organized. And it's, I laughed one day because I was looking at her like research folders and notes and things that she has and comparing them to mine. And they were so much better. Like mine are all schizophrenic and crazy and like, you know, markings everywhere and stuff. And hers are like perfectly neat and organized. And the handwriting is really nice. And wow. I was like, I said, Scarlett, you should do something with these. Like you should really do something with these. Cause I think other homeschool kids would like love to read all the stuff mm-hmm. that you found. Cause she'd find really interesting things and she's putting them together into books that she's going to have published for other homeschool kids to use and read. That's At amazing. 13. That's I amazing. Imagine if I had listened to the people who told me to just let her sit in a corner and drool on herself. You know, it's, <laughs> these people don't know what they're talking about. They really don't know. And it, it, it's interesting because I actually had a, a conversation with my mom and, you know, and I understand like, you know, this perspective that you, how, how could people know? And some, they, and as you said, they really believe they're coming from a, they, they think they're coming. I don't want to say a good place because I don't, I, I disagree with that, but, but they think, yeah. they think they're coming from the right place. They really yeah. do genuinely believe it. And I think as humans, you know, we're, we're only capable of seeing within our own perspective. And so you don't know what somebody else is suffering. And of course, a parent, you know, or doctor doesn't want to see uh, another human being suffer. And, but my argument was that who, who are we to determine the value of somebody else's life? You know, I don't see that, you know, certainly there are things that are harder for me because I don't see well and I don't hear well, or, you know, so but everybody has challenges. And for me, yeah. I, I'm so, I feel truly blessed to be here and I have things, gifts that other people don't have. And that's, right. that's how life works. So yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't think my life is any less valuable because, you know, of the, and now granted my, I far surpassed, you know, what they expected. They thought, you know, the best they could hope was I'd go sit, you know, and drool on myself as you, you yeah, put it, you yeah. know, that's really what they thought I should go well, find that's a nice like the, That's the picture they presented to me. And I know they do that a lot with people. So it's like, I've heard other parents tell me that too, that they have a child with like some kind of a disability and they're given the diagnosis and I know they want you to be realistic, mm-hmm. you know, it's so this big emphasis on, we have to be realistic and we just want you to be prepared and all that stuff. But yeah, if, if you guys are in that situation, you get something like that, please don't just like give up and listen to that oh. thing that it's over and that you just need to, you know, give up all hope on, on your child or someone else in your life, because they are quite often very wrong about that. Yeah. And the, the truth of the matter is that there's, even if the the struggles are real, that doesn't mean that it's not worth it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, as a Christian, I'm an Orthodox Christian Mm -hmm. and we have specific prayers. We say where we acknowledge that we know that quite often our suffering or our trials are used for our good. You know, it doesn't mean that God wants us to suffer, but it means that if something bad happens, if we have trials, if we have struggles and we get through them with faith, it can be used to make us better, to make our lives better, to bring blessings to others. Yeah. That's how life works. It's not this um, nightmare escape that we just described where it's like, <laughs> well, existence is horrible. So just uh, listen to this hypnosis track until you um, 
prostitute yourself to become a woman. It's just like the, the places that these ideologies lead are so dark and depressing and awful that I guess if you believe that, it would be like a self-perpetuating idea where you really do see life and the world as this horrible place and that life might be better not lived at all. And it might be better for everybody not to exist or for them to just live in the pod and eat the bugs and just hit their happy button, you know, whenever they don't feel good or something. But I, I mean, you're a testament to the fact that that's not what life's about and that it can, it can be really great. And so even when you're, when you're listening to these horribly depressing things that we talk about sometime, guys, just remember that um, it's, it's not a done deal. They haven't won. And no. um, there's usually like giant flaws in their plans. Um, mm-hmm. And hu- human beings, there is something to the human spirit that we do yes. tend to overcome. We overcome the worst things. So um, don't let this be depressing to you. Just be aware of it. And if mm-hmm. you, you know, like for people that have teenagers out there or people, if you've got a porn addiction or something, get that stuff under control because they're, they're putting things in that and they're yeah. using that just like they would a drug or something else to get people into more insidious, more damaging, more harmful things, whether it's because they're testing it or they have other purposes. We don't know everything, guys. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything they're trying <laughs> to do, but I know enough to tell you that stay away from it and you know don't get into that kind of thing. And if you know somebody that has issues with it, try to get them out of it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And uh, especially for the children. Right. We, we don't know exactly what the, the end roadmap is. I don't know if they do either, but we, we have enough evidence to indicate that it may not be beneficial for the future of humanity. So exactly. Yeah, and, that, <laughs> and they do like this is the big fight right now. The big fight right now. We just had a thing during Pride Month where it was like people demanding that you let kids go to the drag show, people demanding that you let them talk to your kids about, um, you know, whatever sexuality stuff they want to talk to your kids about. And that if you don't, that you hate them and you want them to die and you want them to suffer and you're a bigot and it's, uh, you're, you're horrible. And I know, um, my kids friends have really fallen for that. Like I, (laughs) my daughter's friend came over this little, they're girls and she's like, oh, I'm bisexual. And they're, they're like 12 years old. And my daughter goes, well, what do you, what is that? Like, what do you think that that means? And she goes, it means, she said, it means I love all my friends, no matter who they are. So this is like the, you know, wow. this is the messaging, the messaging is, and I saw all this rainbow stuff in the store um, last month where it was like, be kind, you know, right. be nice. It's always like, you want to be nice, don't you? Don't you want to be kind to everyone? So you have to accept uh, more and more radical things. You have to accept um, that, you know, drag fiends are going to come in and, and teach your kids stuff. And otherwise you're hateful. Why would you, why would you be so hateful? So like her, her public school oh. friends really do feel like this is just a way to show that I'm kind and that I care about people. I'm bisexual because I love everyone, no matter who they are. And I'm like, she doesn't have yes. any idea what this actually means. No, that's it's not been told to her as like the no. reality of what it is. So that's how they do this. It's all very engineered. This is not grassroots stuff, just right. like feminism wasn't just like most social movements, most revolutions. 
they're not just grassroots things where people look around and go, oh my gosh, we're oppressed. We should do something about it. <laughs> and then we have a bloody revolution or we have like a violent takeover and then somehow things are better. As the past two years should indicate, people actually were oppressed and very few people did anything at all about it. Yeah. And they actually were legitimately oppressed. People were like forced into isolation, uh, you know, lost jobs. Yeah. 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 This is forced into unemployment, um, arrested for attempting to go to church. There were, you know, pastors and priests being arrested for daring to open a church. But you could go to a brothel and you could um, go to the the uh, dispensary or the liquor store. Yeah. and you could go to a BLM protest, but you could yes. go to a lockdown protest. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, that's that's how this stuff works. That's how it works. And that was actual. I, I just want to make that point because that's actual oppression. And yeah. people really, truly were oppressed. And very few people would even so much as rise up, you know, against it or, you know, take it, a, you know, a small step towards civil disobedience. It was just yeah. mass compliance. So to this idea that, you know, these revolutions are just so organic and culture yeah. is just this organic grassroots process, not to say that there's never organic culture, right, but, right. you know, sure. but for the most part, revolutions are expensive. They require tremendous organization and strategy yeah. and tactics. And yeah, so it doesn't yeah, just happen. <laughs> that's another thing you can see a very clear pattern of that we saw in COVID where it's like, um, They don't need to put soldiers on every street everywhere to enforce this stuff. They will get the public to enforce it on each other. You saw that big time with like, you'd see all these viral videos of somebody would go into a store without a mask and some person with a mask was willing to like tackle them and beat them up. Like, how dare you come in here without a mask? You're killing people. Right. And you think to yourself, okay, you're so terrified of this virus but you're not scared to touch the guy and wrestle with him <laughs> on the ground and get your hands all over him to beat him up for not wearing the mask. It makes no sense, but they know that if they put the messaging out enough, yeah. everyone believes it. And that, or at least enough people believe it, that they will use social pressure and maybe even violence to get the other people to comply. And that's mm-hmm. what happened during like the Bolshevik revolution, the Maoist revolution, the French revolution. Anytime you go back in history to these things, that's what they use. They don't have to have um, an overwhelming like government force of jackboot thugs to do it. They'll get half the population to bully the other half of the population into doing it for them. And that works much better. It's much better for them. So that's what we're seeing there. And that's what we're seeing with the different types of tyrannies that are rolling out right now, where you have half the population believes in it like a religion and is willing Mm -hmm. to kill the other half over it. And that's how they get it through. That's how they get the agenda pushed through is like, you see that with climate change stuff, the people who are really into climate change, they are Mm -hmm. willing to, um, you know, unfriend people, yell at people, scream at people, um, shame people into complying with green agenda stuff. So no, they don't have to come in and hold a gun to your head. They'll get your friends and family to just disown you, or they'll get you kicked out of your social circles or your university if you don't join the club. And most people as a survival instinct don't want to be isolated and be the only one going against it. And they feel like they need to comply and, and go along to get along. It's like a 
very basic human need that we need community and family and things like that. So of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. The, the, the Stasi strategy and it, it, that I think that is really why they have to go after the kids because the kids are, as you said, so impressionable and so susceptible. And there, there's a saying, they don't need your guns when they have your children. So, Oh yeah, right? for sure. And public school was really started. Um, the people who started the public education system in the United States, um, if you look that up and read about it, they did not say they were starting it because they felt it would be the best way for kids to learn. They said they were starting it because we could get everybody to think alike. Mm-hmm. And if we can get everyone to think alike, we can maybe bring an end to war or conflict. We could bring about world peace. So we'll just send everyone to indoctrination camp all day long, teach them the, at that time, it was like transcendentalists and socialists and stuff that were doing mm-hmm. this sort of thing. It was the social justice warriors of the time. Yep. Said we will start a public school system. Yeah. We'll get everyone on the same page, believing the same stuff and thinking the same things. And then we'll just have such a peaceful, great society. Again, maybe they really believed that. Maybe they thought this was good. Mm-hmm. But, but the end gets, result. But yeah. And who gets to decide what's good? Who gets to decide right. what's the moral thing? Who gets to decide what we should all believe? You know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, John Dewey was really instrumental in the uh, yeah. advent of public education. And yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's wow. a wild world out there. But um, so yeah, uh, MK Ultra, I don't think is gone anywhere. I think it's still very much with us. Um, they don't have to call it that. Right. They still be using it. Guys, they didn't pour millions of dollars many millions of dollars, which in the mid century was probably, probably if you really added it up, it's more like billions Sure. Um, in multiple countries around the world for 25, 30 years to not use what they found. That's just not how that works. You're not going to invest that kind of time, money, and effort on a huge global scale, and then not use any of the things that you, any of the techniques you developed or anything like that. So no, no, for sure. What do you think the possible uh, agenda is with it? There's a huge, there's a huge movement with these, uh, you know, medicinal like therapies, we'll call them. But yeah, they're they're really. I mean, I I know AOC was trying to push for a bill, you know, to legalize, yeah, yeah microdosing. So what do what what do you think that they're that they could possibly try, be trying to do with it? Do you think it's a like a mass mind control or is it just that they're trying to test the, is it a cultural kind of movement that they're, uh, again, that would still have, uh, you know, susceptibility yeah. for them. I don't, I think it's, I think it's just along the same lines as like when they started passing out SSRIs to people like they were candy, mm-hmm. um, which is still going on. Um, but that was just like the big thing in the nineties and early two thousands yeah. was put everybody on ADHD meds and antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. Prozac um, nation. Yeah. Yeah. Marketed as safe. And now we have like, um, you know, look at the things that have come out of that. We have mass shootings. We have a teen and child suicide on a scale we've never seen ever before now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I think that probably it's kind of like the next step in all that. I mean, like I said, they didn't develop LSD because they just wanted you to have a great time at the Grateful Dead concert. They just really (laughs) wanted to enhance your rock and roll concert experience when you saw the Doors or the Beatles or something. Um, And you do find that all the people who were really experimenting with that are also into things like, um, 
you know, transcendental meditation and Tibetan yep. Buddhism and like lots of Eastern religion type of stuff, things yep. that are very new age. Mm-hmm. And if you do get my book, there's a section on the UN and their spiritual caucus. Yeah. I ordered your book. I haven't gotten it yet. But oh, looking great. Forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that the United Nations has its own church, essentially its own religious belief system. Mm-hmm. And you can go right to their website now and see it. Yeah. And it is the UN religious caucus and it's extremely new age. In fact, they had Alice Bailey help develop and implement the programming. Even their logo has the 33 grids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just blatantly like (laughs) new age occult stuff. Um, So the people who developed that and were using it and using LSD in conjunction with that. And then they used Timothy Leary and these 60s bands who were all CIA culture creations as well to push the LSD out there. Um, They were dosing people unwittingly with it in, um, you know, brothels in the 60s. Um, Operation uh, Operation Midnight Climax was that one where they went to brothels and dosed Johns unwittingly with huge amounts of LSD and sometimes even their own CIA agents they would dose. Um, So yeah, they were testing what they could do with that. Now, I don't know everything they found Sure. Of what what LSD could do, but certainly it was useful. And now suddenly the people pushing it are high level politicians, people with uh, high level military clearance, ties to companies like BlackRock and things like that. So um, I I'm guessing it's either some sort of mind control thing or some kind of um, way to get people into this metaverse idea, this um, transhumanist like we're in a post they're already pushing like a post human world. Yeah. Right. So I think drugs like that would be super helpful for the people who aren't, (laughs) there are some people who will naturally buy into that stuff and they want to like kind of go that route and they find it intriguing. They find it interesting. They think it's Mm -hmm. cool. I was just talking with a guy on Twitter who was like, I think this stuff could be really cool though. Like think of how cool it would be to have a bionic body or like be able to increase your IQ or like all this Mm -hmm. cool stuff they might be able to do. It might be really good for us, man. Mm -hmm. They, those people they don't need to convince but <laughs> right, right. For, people, for the people like me what if they just start microdosing my water supply you know what if they just start putting it in the birth control what if they start putting it in the vaccines what if they where they might put it i don't know what if they right. just voluntarily get a lot of people to start using it because it's a therapy mm. um if it helps get you into this suggestible mindset where you don't even it's about dissolving boundaries, I guess, is a good way to put it. It's very much about dissolving boundaries and getting people to not even really know what reality is. So yeah, blur the lines. Yeah. You won't care what they do because it's all like, we're all one man. And like, we're all going to like return to stardust or whatever. And it's, uh, so I think it's something along those lines. Uh, Sorry if that wasn't very articulate, but that's, no, I, I think I've it's had. actually spot on. I actually think that's really spot on. That's a, I think it's very accurate. I mean, I obviously, I, I, I can't prove that, but I, I think, right. you know, that that feels right. And I do think it's about blurring uh, the boundaries and dissolving uh, boundaries between reality and, uh, you know, metaverse, non-reality, imagination, 
And, uh, and I think that it probably is some sort of a hybrid between the directed controlled assets and the mass mind control, because, you know, that was the same thing when you talk about like the increase in the teen suicides and the, the shootings, you know, we know some of that is a byproduct just organically from these, uh, you know, drugs and agents that they've been using. But then there's also sometimes they, they groom individuals and, Oh yeah. Sometimes they recruit and groom them and get them to do these things. So yeah, it's usually a both. And it's usually not an either or proposition with these kinds of things. Um, they'll use whatever works, you know, and they'll use whatever works on one population or this type of person. Uh, That's another thing with all these personality tests. A lot of these like Myers-Briggs and the different personality tests. Yeah. He created Myers-Briggs. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so a lot of it was to figure out like what works best on different people. Like how, okay, we've got this kind of group of this kind of personality type, but what do we do about these people over here and how, what's the best way to reach them? And so, yeah, they've just, they've kind of got their fingers in all the cookie jars and they're going to do whatever works and they have endless resources. That's the other thing that people don't think about. These people have endless resources and they've got tons of time. And all you really have to do is give it about 50 years. 50 years seems to be the point at which they'll just kind of start telling you stuff because like whoever was alive then isn't going to get in trouble or they don't care and they'll they'll just tell you things. So usually after about 50 years, sometimes longer, um, like in Russia, we're just now getting a lot of stuff declassified from like the Bolshevik revolution and the Stalin era Wow. Um, because there were, I think Lenin's granddaughter wanted, they were going to release some things and she petitioned to have them kept under lock and key until he had been dead for a hundred years. So we're coming up on that soon. Wow. Um, and we'll get a lot more things declassified there, which speaking of transhumanism, you should check out sometime how they preserved Lenin's body and the mausoleum that they built for him. And yeah. Oh, that's Ooh. I'm writing another one about that. <laughs> okay. Well, but yes, they, they've been preserving him. You can go to red square right now and they have actually used like, um, uh, what would you call it? Like groundbreaking technology to preserve him where only 25% of his corpse is still him. The rest is like these, um, groundbreaking bioplastics, um, crazy materials that they invented for this purpose for the purpose of preserving him and the people who were in charge of that at the time of his death thought that he would be resurrected they thought the whole purpose of life was to eventually resurrect all of our ancestors ourselves and make human beings into gods and they were called god builders it was uh, maxim gorky and um anatoly lunacharsky and that like whole group so they've been preserving lenin for the past century, since it's been 90 something years since he died, you can go see his body right now. And most of it is like things that they had created patents on that are now used in other fields of science that were invented as a way of keeping his body preserved. Yeah. Doesn't Klaus have like a bust of uh, Lenin yeah. on his shelf? Yeah. Interesting. Isn't Very it? Very interesting. I know that Google has this technology, DARPA. Google DARPA, but um, it has this technology uh, that they can mimic like skin and it will produce not only the fingerprints, but like the oils of humans. Yeah, they say that 
So if you go to like um, some of the Russian websites where they talk about how they've preserved him, they almost brag about, they're like, we've made him better. He's, be he's Lenin, but better, right? And um, yeah, his, his sarcophagus is like, a, I believe it's a cube, which the cube is always significant okay. in this kind of thing. Yeah, um, sure. It was very strategically designed and it was meant to preserve him until the technology got to the point that they could resurrect him and bring him back. Um, they have his brain sliced into like 5,000 tiny little slices. They've been studying his brain since he died because they thought they could prove that he had like superior intellect. Um, but also they were trying to figure out how they could like reanimate the tissues and oh yeah, it's nuts. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're gonna, they're and they, Putin still does this. They they have private donors and the Russian government combined to like make enough money to keep this going. There's a whole department to like preserve Lenin's body and his brain and study it and, and keep him preserved to this day. So wow, that yeah, is the so... transhumanism stuff is like it sounds nutty, guys, but it's it's definitely real. <laughs> it's very real. Yeah, and, and it is not new. I mean, they were really yeah. talking about it, as you said, a hundred years 1932. ago. 1932. Yeah. Lenin died in 32, I believe. And this was the plan. The plan was, how can we preserve him uh, until such time that we can bring him back? And how do we make sure that he's like Lenin plus, right? <laughs> Lenin, but better. Uh, super, super transhuman Lenin. And um, the whole, yeah, they've got private donors and every government, even like the government, like Stalin was, you know, he and Lenin didn't get along on a lot of things. Um, no. And he still was like very staunch about um, preserving him. And so were all the people that came after him and Putin still supports this. It's the, it's like called the Brain Institute or something. Like it's a really basic name, but they're the people who are in charge of preserving and studying his brain and keeping his corpse, um, you know, preserved. So very weird stuff, but this is what they're up to. I guess this is what happens when you have so much money and power, right? Like you just get into some really weird stuff, like preserving your, your revolutionary heroes and trying to bring them back from the dead. Or like CERN and trying to recreate the Big Bang and yeah, yeah. open yeah. portals. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Uh, sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> nothing could go what wrong. Could go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're, you're pressed for time, but thank you yeah. so much. If you have anything else you want to add, please do. And of course, tell everybody where to find your work and your books and all that good stuff. Yeah, um, I'm Rachel Wilson. You can find my book, Occult Feminism, The Secret History of Women's Liberation on Amazon. Um, you can go to my Substack. It's just Rachel Wilson there. I think it's rwilson slash Substack. Um, so all this crazy stuff I'm working on that I will keep you know, writing about will be there. There's already like several other things there that you guys can look into. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't have like a show or a channel or anything like that right now. I'm just kind of focused on research and and yeah. writing and stuff like that so yeah that that's plenty you're doing great work so <laughs> thank I, you i for one am very appreciative and i look forward to reading the rest so well thank you so much for having me on today i love your podcast and i'm super happy to be here so thanks for having me on and thank you thank you for being here <laughs>
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.